Welcome to the Hopecast. This is a podcast of Hope Church RC in Forest City, North Carolina. Hey, I'm Pastor Steve, and we hope that you find our podcast encouraging and maybe can help to equip you to live your life for Jesus. If you want to know more about Jesus, who he is, why he's so important, why we worship him, why we talk a lot about him, we would love to talk to you about it. Please reach out to us at hopechurchrc at gmail.com. You can find us on all the socials at hopechurchrc or check out our website, hopechurchrc.org. This week we're looking at the time when Jesus uh, and the disciples were on the mountaintop and Jesus was revealed uh, as the Messiah and the disciples kind of wanted to camp out, but Jesus uh, reminds us or we find out that we can't stay on the mountain forever. We got to go back down the valley. And it's during those times that Jesus is especially asking us to rely on him for strength and to do the right thing. Hope you enjoy. Please uh, consider giving us uh, a subscription or uh, a, a review if your podcast uh, source, like Apple Podcasts, for instance, allows it. That just helps people to find us a little better. Uh, love refer this to a friend if you think it can be helpful for them uh, but overall we just hope that uh, you enjoy it and that Jesus is lifted high thanks so glad to see you all today and uh, I'm glad for the rain I was telling Tim earlier it's going to make for a great nap later on today which I probably won't. I actually don't take naps. I don't like taking naps. I hate waking up and I always feel disoriented. Anybody else like that? Some people are like, no, bring it on. I want the nap. Like, I want the nap. But when I actually put it into practice, it just doesn't, I don't like it. I don't, yeah, it's not, it's not everything I hope for. It's like the book, Great Expectations. Anybody ever read that? It was everything I ever hoped it would be. Get this. Man, is this on? Hey, I'm just kidding. I thought I was going. Um, <laughs> we're going to be in the book of Luke today, this morning, still in the book of Luke. We've been in there a while, uh, but it's really good. Um, Luke is, is probably my second favorite gospel. I don't know. It, it is because it, it really has some, he goes into some details that some of the other ones don't. Uh, but John is my first favorite. That doesn't matter. It doesn't have anything to do with what i got to say today. Uh, but I just feel like throwing that in there. You can have it on for free. Uh, so um, have you ever had uh, a, a really life-changing event happen? And you were like, this is everything I ever wanted. This is everything I ever hoped for. Maybe it was the birth of a child. Right? You're holding that new baby. For those of you who are parents in here, and you're like, Simba, all of my hopes and dreams are on you, and you put, put the little red paint across his forehead. Maybe No, you didn't do that. Um, but anyways, and, and then they grew up, and they started talking back. They kind of showed their, showed their personality a little bit, and you're like, ooh, this isn't, this isn't exactly what I was hoping for. Um, or maybe you got a new job. These are just some examples I'm throwing out there. They had great pay, great benefits, and you're like, and it was something you wanted to do, you loved doing, and you were like, oh, this is it. But then the longer you got there, the cracks started to show, and 
maybe had some coworkers that weren't everything that you wanted in a coworker, and you know some things happen. And is over time, it wasn't as life changing as you thought that it would be. But you can overlook those things because it's a good job, right? I, I ha- and, and going back to the kids example, I love my kids, and I and I and I have to remind myself of that when they're misbehaving, right? Because if you've never had a house with, you know, multiple children at the same time, all around the same age, and I'm just telling you, I wouldn't have known this before a few years ago. It's a chain reaction. It only takes one, and so you're constantly on guard, right? And especially the one that's the instigator. I'm not I'm not saying who it is over there. Anyways, um, the one who's the instigator, right? He gets that endorphin rush off of making everybody else upset with him. And so he, it doesn't matter if he's going to get if he's going to get beat up by his older brother. It doesn't matter because that initial like I'm going to hit you and run away like makes his brain light up and he's like yeah this is amazing oh my gosh you're hurting me right he he doesn't think past that consequence but even in those moments I love them and I enjoy life with them when you look at the big picture but in those moments I'm like what did we do why have we done this most people like we volunteered for this why did we do that we didn't even have kids of our own so but sometimes we, we have those moments and we think, oh, this is not as life-changing maybe as I expected it to be, right? Maybe it's not a job, uh, but it's just maybe a school or a class or a social group that was amazing at first. But over time, you began to see the cracks in the facade, and it wasn't exactly what you thought it was going to be. Well, we all have had those experiences in big ways or small ways, hopefully more small ways than big ways, but life is like that, and that is the same sort of thing that kind of happened in Luke chapter 9 today, which is where we are. And we're going to be looking primarily at verses 28 through 36, but then we're also going to hit uh, 37 through 43 briefly kind of at the end, okay? So uh, and it's in those times where we have those realizations of this isn't everything I thought it was going to be, where we find ourselves and where the disciples find themselves today in the passage we're looking at, maybe we try to figure out what went wrong. Why did things change? And it's in those times we lean even more heavily on our relationship with Christ, even more heavily on our faith to guide us through these times. We see that right now in February of 2022 uh, with uh, over in Europe. Russia is invading the Ukraine. And we wonder why are these things happening, right? Why our people seem so bent on power and, um, and in possession. And we don't have answers to those things. And so we have to lean even more heavily on our Creator, on our relationship with Him. And the disciples were no different. Even though they walked directly with Jesus, they saw Him face to face, ate with Him, slept with Him, shared everything with Him. They realized, and we, we should too, that we can't stay in the great place forever, on the mountain forever. We have to come down at some point, and it's in the valley that we have to continue to let Christ's love dwell in us and spill out into the world around us, into our relationships with our family, with our coworkers, with our friends, with the public in general. And making that transition sometimes is really hard, kind of flipping that switch. Anybody ever seen uh, Over the Top 
movie from the 80s. One of my all-time favorite movies, okay? You got, it's, it's, have anybody not seen it? Do I need to give a synopsis? A couple of you, okay. Man, so yeah. So um, Sylvester Stallone is a, a dad who is estranged from his kid, but he's a professional arm wrestler, okay? Like, and people still do this. Like, people make money just arm wrestling. It's so weird. Welcome to America. It's great. So he's, he's, he's you know, got these massive, you know, 27-inch biceps, but only on the right arm because that's the only arm that he works out. No, I'm just kidding. So Sylvester Stallone, he's just massive anyways back in the 80s. And, and it's all about arm wrestling. And you've got these, like, crazy characters. Um, there's this one guy I remember that, like, comes up, and I guess it's like an intimidation thing. He has, like, a, a can of oil, right? Remember the oil that used to come in cans? You'd have to, like, poke the metal funnel in them and stuff. And he's just, like, chugging a can of Quaker State. I'm like, why? Crazy. But anyways, where I'm going with this is, uh, I remember every time Sylvester Sloan's character, I can't remember his name, would hawk. Okay, every time he would go to a wrestling match, what would he do? You guys know the movie better than I do. He'd flip his hat around, right? Bill to the back. It's like a switch, he said. And so sometimes when we're in the valley, we have to flip that switch and remember this life is not the end. This life is not what we are living for, although certainly we should seek to live in it uh, and, and allow Christ to bless it through us. So hopefully today you can think about flipping that switch if you're in a position that, that you need to rely more heavily on him. Let's look at the Bible and see what it says. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. About eight days after this conversation, he took along Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, and they appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were in a deep sleep, and when they became fully awake, they saw his glory in the two men who were standing with him. As the two men were departing from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us set up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he was saying. While he was saying this, a cloud appeared and overshadowed them, and they became afraid as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. After the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They kept silent, and at that time they told no one what they had seen. Father, thank you so much for your great love, your great mercy, for your word. I pray you would just speak to us today through it. Help me to speak correctly what you've what I believe you've shown me, and I just let it all be for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this passage, if you're looking in your Bible, it may be called the Great Transfiguration or the Transfiguration. This is where Christ was revealed, uh, not, just the, not just the only place, but the main place where he was revealed to be the Son of God, where God directly spoke to him and said, this is my Son, right? Another place that that happened was in Jesus' baptism. When Jesus was baptized, he came out of the water. The Spirit of God descended like a dove on him. And a voice from heaven called out saying, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Okay, so the disciples are up on this mountain with Jesus. And they see these uh, two men, Moses and Elijah, two great figures of the faith. Moses is kind of like Jesus of the Old Testament. 
in a way. He was the great savior of the Israelites, kind of similar to the way that we look at him today, uh, that we look at Jesus today. And Elijah was a great prophet who never died, right? He, well, he uh, entered a chariot of fire and then was just taken up into heaven, right? So here are these two great, powerful figures. Uh, it would almost be like, just as an American, just I'm just trying to put it, put it in perspective, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln walked through the door, right? Or maybe, I don't know, Alexander Hamilton or Ben Franklin or some of the, like a couple of forefathers just walked in the door. We'd be like, wow, this is cool, right? Um, and so in the same, kind of a similar way, but a much better way, uh, Jesus is visited by these heavenly figures and identified as the chosen one. So let's, let's kind of take a look at this, pick it apart verse by verse like I like to do. Uh, I think it just helps us to see a little bit. So verse 28, a conversation from before. It says, after this conversation, they went up. Well, before what Jesus was telling them was to take up your cross and follow me. Right? Jesus is worthy of our sacrifice. He's worthy of giving up everything. Jesus said, blessed are those who leave their, their friends and their family for, this, for my sake. Right? Because he is the truth. He's worthy of us giving up who we think we are to be who he says we are. Because that's who we actually are. That's the actual truth, right? Well, then in verse 29, so think about, you know, they've, they've got on their mind um, sacrifice. And I have to be willing to give myself up. Well, then they kind of blow that a little bit. We'll see. Jesus' glory is revealed in verse 29. Two very important Jewish faith figures appeared, Moses and Elijah, a.k.a. the law and the prophets. Okay, if you hear Christ talking about some in the New Testament, or if you've been in church for a while, you've heard about the law and the prophets, right? The law of Moses uh, was given to the Israelites way back in Exodus, Deuteronomy, um, and uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and that's how they were supposed to live, right? Well, then you've got the prophets that spoke not only to the people of the time then, but also we're speaking about future events, a.k.a. Jesus, right? And so you almost have a sense of the entire Hebrew Scripture, what we call the Old Testament now, affirming Christ. The law and the prophets were there to say, he's the one. The one that we were talking about, the one that God was pointing to us, the, God that, the one that God was showing us in visions and telling us about, this is him. They were preparing and discussing Jesus' death because that was about to happen. It happened not very long after that. Uh, they were kind of coaching him and maybe just supporting him because, I mean, how can you coach the Messiah, right? Like a boxing coach uh, standing in, this, in his corner, get in there, take another one. I don't, I'm not a good boxing coach. But, or maybe they were just being there supportive, right? Sometimes some of the best... Uh, one of the best things we can do to support someone is just be present with them. When we have the death of a loved one, when someone has the death of a loved one, someone close, something unexpected happens in their life, sometimes just being there as they process feelings themselves is a huge help. Without any kind of like trying to fix it, without any kind of, you know, I'm going to tell you what to do, it's just, hey, I'm here. That's all I can do, but I'm going to do everything I can for you, right? So Jesus' death, of course, uh, they were coaching him uh, or helping him prepare for it because it was necessary, right? Jesus, while fully God, was also fully human, so you can only imagine how perplexing and how 
um, anxious he may have been about his death. Because especially being fully God, he already knew the outcome. He already knew the whip. He already knew the thorns, the nails. He knew it wasn't going to be simple or pretty. It was going to be very messy and very brutal. Now, there are many different interpretations of, of why or how Jesus' death paid for sins. Uh, most people uh, get heated about these views, right? Because it's a matter of what happened when we know that Jesus' death paid for sins, but why, how, what was the mechanism of it? And a lot of people get heated about these views. And to me, the, the, the tiny details don't matter so much as the overall effect. Because of Christ's death, my sins can be forgiven, and I have a relationship with my Creator. Right? So the penal substitutionary atonement view, the Christus victor view, the satisfaction view, the ransom view, all have their, their good points and their things where I would disagree with them on. But overall, the, the main effect is because of what Christ done, I can have a relationship with God, right? And so the minute details doesn't matter. Um, 32 and 33. So the disciples, they saw all these things, and like any of us would have been, they were, like, shook up, okay? Um, I don't know if kids still say it nowadays. Emma, you can back me up on this or not. They wouldn't say shook. Shook is not a thing anymore. They used to, okay? Like four or five years ago, shook was a big thing. They were shook, Right? They were they, they was messed up, right? Uh, they were was, they was jacked up because of what they saw. It messed them up, all right? Uh, because, and it didn't just mess them up like, oh, wow, we saw like a really crazy thing. No, it messed them up because they, they started to try to alter the course of what Jesus was trying to do, or they tried to anyways. Because they still had an incomplete view of the Messiah. They probably still thought of him as a political leader, a military leader, is going to free us from Roman occupation. But that's not what he was about. So when he started talking about his death, they were ready to camp out on the mountain forever. Jesus will build three tents, one for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses, and we can all hang out here forever. We don't have to talk about death. We don't have to go back down there ever again. Right? We've seen something amazing, and we never want to leave. But that's not what Jesus wanted for them. But they may have said, Jesus, I really need for you to be this way or to fit into my viewpoint. I'm not comfortable talking about this death that you're talking about, sacrifice that you are going to die. And Peter, of course, which I identify with because he was just kind of a big lunkhead sometimes. Uh, he was, of course, kind of the main one saying, hey, hey, hey we're going to, Jesus, this is what we're going to do. This is what I think we should do. And at other times, he's the one that's he was saying, uh, he said at one point when Jesus was wanting to wash his feet, he's like, no, no, you should never wash my feet. And Jesus reminded him that his mission was about service and about sacrifice. So we can't fit Jesus into who we think he is, who, he, who we need him to be, because he is who he is. Right? And that's kind of the term, that's the, the meaning of Yahweh, the name for God. When he's appeared to Moses, he said, I am who I am. We can't change him. We can't try to mold him or fit him into what we want him to be. He is who he is. Yes, he's been misrepresented by folks on all sides. Some make him too demanding and not loving. Some make him too loving with no standards. 
Um, I've been guilty of both and probably will continue to be guilty of some at times in my life. I'll misrepresent him incorrectly. But Jesus is the Son of God, make no mistake, the only sinless one whose death secured our forgiveness. His resurrection gives us new life. And we're all called to live out his new life in his power, in his love. But sometimes, like the disciples, we want to camp out on the mountain. We talk about mountaintop experiences where things are just perfect. Now, I've been in youth ministry for several years Almost 20. My goodness, it's crazy to think about. And we talk about this thing, and Danny can back me up on this. There's this youth camp high. Shannon can back me up on this. She's seen it. Emma, y'all have seen this. And it's what happens when you come home from a week of doing nothing but studying the Bible and hanging out with your friends and attending worship services. You're like, yeah, this is amazing. Well, then you have to come home, and your face is all shining like Moses after he come down from the mountain, and your parents are like, where have you been? <laughs> oh, they know where you've been, but like they've experienced all these non-godly things throughout the week. They've been deep in the mud of the ugly world, and you're coming home like, God is amazing. He's wonderful. And like, okay, yeah, get over it. Do your chores, right? And, and there's just conflict because you can't understand why they're not feeling the way that you're feeling. I've experienced this myself. But the reality is, you're having to come down off of that mountaintop experience and reacclimate yourself to the world. And it's in those moments that we have to lean even more heavily on who he is because we're going to mess it up easily. Um, the rubber meets the road, and our faith has to be lived out in the public arena. And this, may, this doesn't just apply to youth camp. We may have an amazing Sunday service one day, and then Monday you have to go into work, and everybody else has had a horrible weekend. And you have to be the light in that, in that environment. And it's hard to make that transition without getting pulled into yourself, right? Uh, it's so much easier to be drawn down into a place of negativity than it is to crawl back out of it, right? So once you're kind of have that positive outlook, that positive feeling. You want to hang on to it because you know how hard it is, how fleeting it is. But what will we do when we have to come down off of the mountain where things are amazing, where it's everything we dreamed it would be? Will we still rely on Christ in the valley for our fulfillment? Will we still identify ourselves with Him? And it's even in the little things, right? Like we, probably none of us in here, when it gets to a point of people say, are you a Christian? Probably none of us in here that I'm looking at would say, no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. No, of course not. No, we, don't, we live in a society where, we're, where it's still, thank goodness, totally free and okay to say, yeah, absolutely, I'm a Christian. You want, can I tell you about Jesus? Would, would you like for that? None of us are, are going to go out and just say, no, I don't know who Jesus is. But in the little things, little things is where I mess up all the time in my actions, my attitudes that scream, I don't follow Jesus. Even though my mouth says I do, my heart wants to with every part of my being, my little actions, my attitudes, the little pettiness that I have says I don't. And so it's in those moments where I have to, more than I do, rely on him. 
When people are mean, will we be merciful or will we be vengeful? We know what we should do and we try to do those things, but we don't always get it right. But Jesus is calling us to put our faith into action, trusting him for strength and guidance. And we need that just like his disciples. Now, I'm going to zoom through verses 37 through 43 real quick. Just kind of reading through it. And then, because uh, I think this is a little where the meat of the passage gets to. The next day when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met them. And just then, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son because he's my only child. A spirit seizes him. Suddenly he shrieks. And it throws him into convulsions until he foams at the mouth, severely bruising him. It scarcely ever leaves him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. And that last little verse in verse 40, that last sentence in verse 40, we're going to pause here for a second, is really telling. The disciples had heard the very mouth, the very words of God speak and say, This is the, my chosen one, this is my son. They saw the law and the prophets affirming him in person. And they, so, they had such a great experience that they wanted to stay up there forever and ever and ever. And yet they couldn't put their faith into practice to bring healing to this man, right, to, to his son. Now these guys lived with Jesus. They knew him personally, like I said earlier, in the flesh. And they still messed up. And in a way, to me, that's kind of comforting. Hang on. Because it reminds me, if they messed up and they had first-person access, don't be so hard on myself when I mess up, right? I'm going to. I promise you. I already have this morning before we got here. I'm going to probably not long after we leave here in some way, shape, or form. It's just the way that it is. But when I do, Jesus' love is so great that he never leaves me. He never forsakes me because I'm being a big idiot. And if the disciples had that, had that grace and they had firsthand experience, they had firsthand access with him, first-person access, I also have it. Because at that time, they didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. I do. Christ dwells in me. And he loves me way more than I'll ever know. We'll ever, we will never not need him to lead us, to guide us, to comfort us. But sometimes, you know, he may not answer. Sometimes his answer is no or his answer is silence. Can our faith withstand that? Is our faith in him or his, or his works? And that's kind of what we have to ask for ourselves. If he never answers another prayer, is he still worthy of offering them up? I think so. I believe so. I want to be 1,000% confident in that. But if I'm being honest, doubt creeps in from time to time. Thankfully, again, he has patience and mercy to wait for me to come back and to wait for me to realize that he, is, that he is still who he says he is. When we look at suffering, where's Jesus? Babies are sick, malnourished. Where's Jesus? Refugees in need of basic necessity. Where's Jesus? Wars breaking out. People are dying. Where is Jesus? But I think he could ask us the same thing. Where are you? What are you doing to make things better? To show others my love? To mourn with those who mourn? And we all fall short. There's too many plates. We can't keep them all spinning all the time. Like the guy in the circus. 
And he understands these things, but that doesn't mean that he still isn't calling us and pushing us to do better, right? Just because we can't do everything perfectly doesn't mean we shouldn't try, because we can always do better. And in his power, in his uh, patience, he can help us to do better. And sometimes he might also have a harsh word for us. Verse 41, Jesus replied, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Jesus got upset with his disciples. After all they had seen, after all they experienced, they still didn't believe. And it wasn't that they didn't have the physical strength to restrain this child, or that, but their faith was weak. They still didn't understand who Jesus was, that he's the Lord of all, the only uncreated one, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the Alpha and the Omega. He has the authority to cast out demons and defeat evil. And not long after this encounter that we read, he would defeat evil ultimately on the cross. And just like his disciples who knew the prophecies, they knew the law, they saw the law and the prophet in their own, uh, in, in person. We may know a lot about Jesus but we never really put it into practice or depend on him like he is asking us to. In those moments where we say, I know that I should do better, I know I shouldn't do this, do we just say, I know I shouldn't do this, and then go do it? Or we do something to say, I shouldn't have done that. Next time I'm going to do better. And the next time comes around, do we just say, I'm not going to do this, and then go do it? Or do we really plead ask Jesus, Jesus, I need your help to help me not be petty, to help me not uh, tell a lie, to help me not look at this or watch this or, or, or have this attitude. Whatever it is, are we really relying on him? And I'm asking myself the same thing because I've been there. I'm, every, most of the time I try to speak from my own experiences. I have said, I know that I have in my mind, I shouldn't do this and then walk right through that door and do it. Right? I shouldn't be this petty. I shouldn't have this attitude. Right as I'm you know, preparing to go do the thing I shouldn't do. I've done it. I think we all have. Thankfully, like I always say, His grace is more. His mercy is more. And even when He's like, Steve, you're an idiot. Stop that. Thankfully, He, would, I don't know, he might call me an idiot. He, would, he called them a perverse generation. I think he has some harsh words for me from time to time. But thankfully, his mercy is more. And one day, he's coming back. We'll finally see his glory revealed. We'll see him face to face and, and have an experience that the disciples only got a glimpse of. And he's going to remove all the evil. The Bible says he's going to wipe every tear. He's going to make all things new. But now, we're in the valley between the resurrection and the restoration of his kingdom. Jesus invites us to help usher in this kingdom, even here and now, by showing his love to others. And not just showing it, not just saying it, but putting it into action. All those things I mentioned earlier, babies malnourished, refugees, war breaking out. We may not, we can't fix these problems, but we can help. Like the, the, old, the old analogy or the old story of the little boy walking down the beach picking up starfish and throwing them back in the ocean. Anybody heard that story? You haven't? Okay, so I was going to tell you then. So there was a little boy walking down the beach. Uh, 
picking up starfish. You ever seen a starfish up on the beach? Right, it gets washed up there with high tides, and then the tide goes out, and it's kind of stranded there. If it doesn't get back in the water, it's probably going to die, right? The little boy was chunking starfish back in the ocean so they wouldn't die. And a man walks along, and he says, what do you think you're doing? You can't possibly save all of these starfish. What difference does it, is it, are you going to make? The little boy picks up one starfish, and he throws it in the ocean. He said, I saved that one. I saved that one. And so no matter what's going on, we can't possibly fix every, every world crisis. We can't fix every crisis even with our own, within our own lives. But we can help. We can do something which is better than doing nothing. And the silence in the short term between here and the restoration can be deafening. The inability of our own selves to do the right thing is frustrating. And we don't go throughout our lives trusting, or sorry, we go throughout our lives trusting that things are just going to work. We don't spend a huge amount of effort worrying about the sun. We pretty much know it's going to rise or set, rise and set, or rather the earth is going to rotate, making it appear to rise and set. And we can time it down to the minute. We can set our watches by it. So we trust it. We know it's going to appear. And in the same way, we need to trust Jesus in our lives, that he is going to appear. When we ask him to help, he is going to help, and we can rely on that. And just like I can't tell you exactly how the sun works, and even on a cloudy day like it is today, I can still see evidence of it. Because even through the clouds, it is producing light. Right? It's, it's a little gray, a little hazy. It's not the bright, warm sun that, that we're used to or that we want, but it's still there. And even in our dark, time, in our dark times, we can see Christ still there. So no matter what you're facing in the valley, whether it's an external threat, someone is actively trying to hurt you or your family in a physical way or in an emotional way or a career-oriented way or whatever it is, or whether it's an internal battle in your own mind, in your own heart, Jesus has power over it. Seek therapy if you need to. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I don't want to ever be mistaken for the guy that says, you only need Jesus. No, go see a therapist. Get some antidepressants. They can, be, they can be very helpful if you need it. But ask Jesus to help. We can't stay on the mountaintop forever. We have to put his faith, his love into practice in our everyday lives. Wherever you are, whether you're on the mountain or in the valley, Jesus is there. And this week, our challenge is to look for him in the ups and the downs. Because he's in both. There's a symbol that I've seen in the last few years. I've seen some folks have it tattooed upon them. Um, I didn't put it up on the screen, but basically it's the letter G and then a greater than sign and then an up arrow and a down arrow. Okay. And it basically stands for God is greater than the ups and the downs. And I think that's handy to remember sometimes. No matter how good life is, there's something even better waiting for me. And no matter how bad it gets, he's still there supporting me, uplifting me, 
and I can lean into him no matter what. So this week, may we seek to rely on Jesus. The Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He was there in the hard times. He's there in the great times. But no matter which time it is, whether it's a mountaintop experience or a valley experience, the challenge for us is to, to put his faith to the test, to put his faith into action, because that's what he's asking us to do. Um, the Christian life is way more than about just going to heaven. I've, I've heard pastors say before, and I believe this, if that's all it was, he'd just take us on as soon as we made that commitment to him. And that would be all it would be. But no, it's about making a difference in the here and the now. Showing people love that don't deserve it because none of us do. We're going to pray and as Sarah comes up, uh, if, again, if you'd uh, like to, to pray, I'd be glad to, to pray with you in the back back there. You can just slip back there. Uh, be in prayer for our church and uh, just that God will continue to lead us and guide us and uh, yeah, we'll end, end with that. God, thank you so much for the stage you've given us. Thank you for being there in the highs and the lows, being there no matter what. And we can count on you. Help us to do that better this week. Help us to do that more this week, today even, better than we have last week. Thank you so much for Jesus, for who he is, your chosen one, your beloved He's the Savior of the world. He's my Savior. Help me to, to live a life that's more committed to Him, relying on Him, putting His love into action. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Like I said, I hope this is an encouragement to you. And if it is, we would love to hear from you. Again, please consider reaching out to us at Hope Church RC at gmail.com, hopechurchrc.org on the web, or on Facebook and Instagram at hopechurchrc. Pray God uh, richly blesses you, and uh, thanks again for tuning in. Peace.